still have a couple of people sitting down, but I think um, we'll go ahead and jump in. I'm Christine Thomas. I'm the head of music partnerships for Dolby. Um, that is technical enablement of the music industry, which is no small thing. Um, I'd love to share with you my panel today. Paul, will you please? Hi, my name is Paul Bowsted. I'm the VP of Product and Architecture for Dolby IO, Dolby's developer platform. Uh, my background is I was originally a telecommunications academic, and I got into audio by, um, well, it was my escape from academia. I created a small company with a few of my PhD students building audio communication middleware for massively multiplayer games. So that got me into the audio and games industry, which is really cool. And I've been in Dolby for over 10 years, and at the moment, Dolby I.O., it's a developer platform, and we're really trying to make it easy for people to create great audio and video experiences. And in particular, I'm excited about the convergence between virtual worlds, music, and social experiences, and I'll be talking a bit about that, probably a bit too much about that today. It's, exi it's an exciting area. Thank you, Shauna. Okay, Paul. <laughs> no pressure. Um, hi, I'm Sean Alexander. I'm the Vice President of Business Development at SoundCloud. Uh, if I can translate that, that means I do dope shit. Um, <laughs> and it's on behalf of emerging artists, fighting for them to get paid fairly, to be heard, to sort of, you know, equalize the music industry in a way that is equitable for everyone. Um, my background has also been always sort of championing the rights and sort of you know, being the voice in the room for independent artists. I've worked for companies like The Fader, Moog, The Synthesizer Company. I'm sure I'll say something about them at some point today. Um, and I also had an agency for a long time in Washington, D.C. that did a bunch of that stuff. Um, the other thing that I wanted to say is, is I am a New Yorker. I'm going to curse a lot. It is not you. It is me. Please do not be offended. I'd just like to caveat that there. This is why we're friends. <laughs> um, hey, I'm... Uh, I'm Jillian. I'm the Vice President of New Business and Ventures at Warner Music Group. Um, our team is responsible for looking into emerging tech and um, new platforms, new business models. Uh, we sort of incubate new categories and new deals uh, on behalf of all of Warner's labels and artists. Um, sometimes they're licensing deals, sometimes they're more like partnerships, sometimes they're development. Um, and I also help run our corporate venture fund. Um, my background is in law, um, so not tech um, and, and not music. Uh, I was actually like a death penalty attorney for a while. So um, I got into trying to figure out how to get music into emerging spaces because I really like impossible problems um, and love trying to solve them. Right, this panel. <laughs> so fun fact, I studied law. My background is tech. <laughs> I and you do, do dope shit, Christine. I also do really dope shit, yeah. Um, so what, what we're doing, what I do, what Dolby's doing, is building an ecosystem out for the music industry. Um, ideally, opportunities for everyone to benefit from. How many people in the room are in music? Nice, nice. Gaming? Hmm, all right. Tech? Everyone, come on, music, gaming, tech, you are all doing the same thing. Um, we're absolutely thrilled to be here with you today. We're going to talk a little bit about what's going on. I'm going to cheat. I don't always do that, but I have some, I have a complicated topic and I have complicated questions with complicated panelists. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and, uh, and get started here. I'm really excited about this room. You guys look around. This is what we're doing together in this room. You are almost full. Yeah? I know, I know. Uh, also, Shauna's LinkedIn post, right? Oh. <laughs> God damn it, Christine. <laughs> All right, so let's start with Jillian. What opportunities is Warner Music providing artists to support creating in virtual worlds um, and gaming platforms? Or what opportunities are you seeking to provide? Share with us what you can. Yeah, so the, the whole purpose of the team that I lead at Warner is to find these new spaces and to bring our artists and their fans and our content into them. Um, and the next generation is making it pretty easy for us to figure out where that should be. This is where Gen Z and Gen Alpha are spending most of their time. It's in virtual spaces. Um, maybe it's not technically 
games, but it's virtual social spaces. And so we, um, the opportunities that we're trying to bring into our labels for our artists, uh, for our songwriters too, is all about how do we encourage music creation, music discovery, music sharing, and new music products and music experiences outside of sort of just traditional streaming or sort of lean back experiences. Because, it, you know, these days, if it isn't interactive, if it isn't social, it isn't something that, that, um, that the next generations are interested in. So the opportunities that we're trying to find are, are how can we create new products? Like, how, how can we stop just licensing copyrights and actually create uh, interactive experiences that are built around music, around artists? How can we connect them better with their fans without middlemen, without um, having to go around platforms? Um, and, and, and then how can we encourage that kind of sharing in those spaces amongst fans so that an artist doesn't need to be 24-7 on always live streaming, always creating new content. How can we create these flywheels for them where their communities and these spaces can exist and can do some of that for them? Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, Shauna, one of the most important... First of all, I just want to touch on what you mentioned. It's, it's not necessarily traditional gaming. And I agree. And I think before the last couple of years, let's say, we thought of virtual worlds in that sense, right? It was very focused on the concept of gaming. But now you know, gamers, musicians alike, your 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 tool builders, your technicians, your Lego builders, right? Your dreamers and you're orchestrating these worlds to connect your fans. Um, and we're trying to facilitate that with some of the tech that we provide. Paul, can you share just a little bit about that? Yeah, so from Dolby.io, we we're we're an API platform. So we we see developers as creators. So we provide a, a number of different tools to help um, developers enable their um, artists to create great music. And I think probably the best example we've got here, at, right now at the moment, we have Music Mastering, which SoundCloud integrated into uh, their platform. Thanks, Paul. A nice plug there. <laughs> but we also have a range of other APIs that enable people to create um, great music experiences. If you are um, adding streaming or communications to a product, we can do music capture that takes music from just a phone microphone or a laptop and just makes it sound great. It puts it through similar technology that we have for music mastering, but we can, we can kind of do this live. And we have new products coming out. We're doing a tech preview of a new product called, it's codenamed Live Performance Streaming. We don't have a real name for it yet. But so original, right? <laughs> that's right. So what we're doing there is we're making it really easy for people to create live Atmos streams. And so someone can you know, create a live Atmos stream from a small venue, a massive venue, or a studio or from home, and live stream that Atmos experience out to a large number of users. But we're going one step further in the future, so we're going to try and get there as soon as possible, and stream those Atmos experiences into games. Because we believe um, spatial music, spatial um, Atmos in games is a really compelling experience. If I can just touch on that for a second, what's really cool about what Dolby is doing, and I'm a super fan, so like this is why I kind of know about this stuff, is yes, these experiences are traditionally kind of like out of reach for emerging or independent artists because they require so much investment, time, money, resources, knowledge, skills, knowing how to use a you know a DAW or things like that, right? And what's cool is, is y'all are working on the ability to actually make that a lot easier for the independent artists. So it's not always just the Justin Bieber's in the metaverse. It now could be Tony Kill, who's a tiny DJ in Washington, D.C., right? Like, that's what's cool about what y'all are doing is, yes, you started with big, like building big, incredible ideas, but you're also now bringing it to a level where anybody in the future can be able to do it. Yeah, we like the idea of many creators creating excellent... I, I think we might too. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd really love to hear your thoughts about how we protect the identity, the authenticity of the artist. And, and sometimes we say of the creative and sometimes we say of the artist. Um, but really, how do we protect that and how do we ensure that they maintain their creative vision for their fans? You talking to me? Please. Okay. So at SoundCloud, as you can imagine, there are 40 million artists on our platform. 40 million. That's a lot of damn artists. I say artists technically our political, you know, PR term is creators. 
I'll get in trouble for that later, nonetheless. Um, there are 40 million artists on our platform and over 340 million songs. Uh, and those are the numbers I'm allowed to share with you, right? And so when we do that, that means there's a lot of identities on our platform. That means, you know, micro-genres happen. You know, we have famously sort of championed the underdog at SoundCloud, typically because we are the underdog. Um, and what we do is, is we kind of let the artists be themselves. And we always try to say, like, at the root of what you're doing, whether you're creating a song, whether you're doing an experience in the metaverse, whether you're, you know, live streaming on Twitch, whatever it is, you got to remember who you are and make the art for who you are. We were actually talking about this at dinner the other night. Rick Rubin is really famous in saying, like, make the art for you. The rest will follow. And if you don't make the art for you and if you don't keep yourself centered as an artist, you're never going to get there. Because ultimately what you're making is a fallacy. You know, it's, it's not real. It's not real art. Um, it's not centered in sort of like human connection and emotion and identity. And so when we build experiences, what we do is we go, this is not just SoundCloud doing this thing. This is SoundCloud and the, you know, Digicore community creating our documentary on Digicore. You know, we famously hired Billy, who's one of the curators of Underground Vampire Club, which is a part of the Digicore community. I know I'm getting really nerdy to be a part of creating that content for us. And even when we do things like that in the metaverse, like we had Rico Nasty host our Fortnite tournament, but also we had eight emerging artists compete on that Fortnite tournament too to leverage not just their identities, but also Rico's identity because she is a star. People know who she is. And what we did was just we put them all together and we just let magic happen. And I think that's the main thing is like, there's no secret like shortcuts or tricks or anything like that you have to maintain your identity the whole way through and then if i can just riff for two more seconds then also use that to understand your audience soundcloud is going all in on understanding the artist to fan relationship because at the end of the day to us we fully believe that understanding your fandom and building a real fandom is how you will create a sustainable independent career and so if you know who you are and you know who's listening to you now you've hit a gold mine can I double click on a piece? Absolutely. So I double think, click. Double, <laughs> triple click. Um, I think one thing I'd add, I agree with all of that. I think one thing that I would add is also um, it's really important to have good partners in the space and understand totally. the platforms as well um, because something that will work on a Fortnite wouldn't work on a Roblox because there's different audiences, there's different technical capabilities, there's different gameplay mechanics that make sense. You know, on, on Fortnite, you want to create a cool shooter. On Roblox, you want to create an RPG. You know, so like, it's, you have to understand the platform too and not try and be fitting, you know, squares into circles, whatever the phrase is. Uh, and so, you know, I'll give an example. So we recently launched a world on Roblox. Um, it's not, Warner is not branded anywhere. We want it to be a music space. We don't care about it being a Warner space, but it's just a space for any of our artists to go, to experiment, to create virtual goods, to, uh, to share music, to create fun mini games around releases. Um, and we launched it with the NFL and with one of our artists, Sweetie, to do the first ever virtual Super Bowl concert. Um, and when we did it, we picked Sweetie because, one, she's connected to the NFL. She's already done things with them. She was at the Pro Bowl. Um, and her sisters are huge Roblox influencers. So we connected all of those dots, and um, both the NFL community and the Roblox community really embraced her. And so it was super, super successful because... It made sense. We weren't, you know, there are artists that are bigger than her. There are uh, platforms that, you know, maybe you would think she might fit in better, but it actually made sense for her and for this for this opportunity. Um, and another example is like uh, Melanie Martinez, who's an artist in Atlantic, who's awesome. Um, the the Roblox community has already started creating characters about her next project. And so she's someone who, we didn't force any of that. They're doing it on their own. And she may just, you know, give it a, give it a like or something just to show that she loves it and appreciates it. And we're not forcing any of it. So I think it's also about understanding the, what the platform can do, what their audiences are, not forcing it, and instead capitalizing and amplifying on the trends and things already happening there, but not trying to push it so much. 
I love everything you just said. I've been watching Warner. I was saying to Jillian earlier, I've been watching you guys for the last couple of years, and you're really leading the charge here with metaverse, with virtual worlds, and and I find it thrilling. Um, and certainly we see you moving across platforms, right, and and specifying that. I'm interested to know, how do you how do you see these worlds evolving? What, what do you see happening next? So, I mean, we're... You, I think we'll we'll try and track where it makes sense for us to be building and developing. We're going to be platform agnostic, obviously, the same way that we're partner and DSP agnostic. Anywhere our artists want to be, anywhere their fans could be, we want to be. Um, but obviously, the stories that we'll tell across platforms will be different. The type of experiences, the type of world, the type of business model, the type of artist will be different platform to platform. But the idea is that we want to have a presence everywhere, um, and, you know, we can't do that with like right away. But um, we also think that as these spaces, you know, what you guys are building and doing is amazing, but it's also making it such that it can get really oversaturated really fast. So we actually think that puts something like a label partner at an advantage because we can help curate, we can help market, we can help cross-promote across platforms, across fandoms, across communities. And so it actually, you know, people are like, are you scared of AI music and no-code tools? And I'm like, no, it's great. Like, let everyone create things and then we'll create the best things. So, um, so I'm actually really excited to, for this kind of creation to be democratized because I think it'll get more people, more developers there. And then we can help create like the music experiences on each of these platforms, cross promote, cross market, you know, connect it to release schedules, include new genres, new fans. Um, and so our goal is definitely in the next couple of years to be on multiple platforms. Um, I mean, we're already in Sandbox, we're already in Roblox. We have two that will launch later this year, which I won't say now, but before the end of the year. Um, and then uh, some PC and console and mobile gaming stuff that we'll do too. And they'll all sort of build upon each other, but be a little bit different. Um, and, and that's really exciting to us. Ugh. So exciting. So Paul, how does one maintain their identity across these platforms, right? I mean, that sounds, I might make certain decisions. I might want purple hair. <laughs> well, I, I think there's, seri there's some issues with a lot of disconnected platforms. Um, one of them is actually communications to start with. I'm a telco engineer, so I'll start with that one. Um, when you have a lot of disconnected platforms, well, the games industry at the moment, communication is completely uh, disconnected, you have typing within the game, so text chat within the game, voice chats all in Discord, so a, an application outside of the game. However, what's been happening over the last few years is that games have become much more social and these virtual world concerts that we're talking about, they're really social. You actually want to be able to interact with the fan base of the artist and feel like you're there with them. So Communications is moving into the virtual worlds for these social experiences. However, the way it's being done is you hear a couple of people around you, you know, three closest people or something like that, and it's quite a disconnected experience. So being able to bring communication into the game is important for social experiences. Um, and also having a common identity between games is also important so that you know who you're talking to. So the whole metaverse concept, part of that is sort of standardizing between virtual worlds, enabling you to have a common identity as well as a, an avatar that you can move between worlds so that you can have the same Purple presence. Hair. Yeah. And another part of that is being able to take objects between virtual worlds. A, a big part of monetization for virtual world concerts is buying in game items, things like a skin of the you know, the musician or clothes or, or something. And it's a lot more valuable if you can buy that in a game and then use it in another world. So can we make these experiences seamless? Can we, can we make this easier? I think the only way to make it seamless is, well, in terms of identity, is to actually get the worlds to cooperate and come up with the ability to be able to move things between worlds. So I think that sort of standardization effort or, or at least collaboration is kind of important to grow these experiences. I think we're working on the communication side, that, that can be done, but you really need the identity as well. Okay, okay. And then, 
And then in terms of for the artist, what opportunities exist? Jillian, I'd be interested to know, you know, how are you thinking of this opportunity for the artist, um, right, beyond the label? And then and then what are they carrying with them that, that's benefiting them in terms of, you know, expanding their, their commercialization opportunities? I, I mean, it's definitely an, an opportunity to connect with... Um, fans and to get music in, in new spaces. I, if this, if these are the spaces where the next generations are spending their time, and it, and it is, and they're not just spending their time game. Like we talked about this a, a few minutes ago, they're not just spending their time gaming. There, there's a lot of data to support that they like do nothing in these spaces. They hang out. They they communicate. Um, they dress up their avatars. They sometimes like watch trailers yeah. you know they're not actually like playing i mean they're playing but they're not playing a video game so the they're doing everything you would do in the real world just in virtual spaces and so if this is where people are spending real time and spending real money then we want to be able to connect with them there meet them where they are create the kind of products that make sense and um and and help them discover and share music in these spaces too and i think the challenge is um, is that we have to find a way to make it different than what you could just do in the real world. So during lockdown, having just like a virtual live stream or a concert or something made sense because you couldn't go in the real world. But now like we can, like all of us are at South by it's a music festival. Um, even though you wouldn't know from this room, um, don't forget it's a music festival too. Uh, and we all, we're all going to go and we're all going to sweat and we're all going to overpay for beer and we're going to feel the bass and we want that. And you can't do that in a virtual world, but what can you do? Well, maybe you can get a hundred thousand people in a room instead of 5,000. Maybe you can meet someone from an entirely different country and talk to them directly. Um, and you didn't even realize they were a fan of this, of this artist. Maybe you can get people from really small towns who the artist isn't going through. Or maybe you can do a behind the scenes or an AMA or something where you can actually get on stage with the artist, something you could never do. So like, how do we make these things matter and be different than what you could do? Like, I, we don't just want to create like a skeuomorphic virtual concert every time. Um, so hopefully you'll see over the next year the kinds of big tentpole events we want to do. We're going to try and break the mold a little bit. I think we're all getting a little bit of like virtual concert fatigue. Um, we've, we've done it a lot, a lot. Uh, and so now I think we're really excited to, the next thing we we're working on, I, I won't release it all right here, but the next thing we're working on is much more of a narrative. Um, it's more like a virtual documentary almost, um, which will have music and stories and, and you'll follow kind of a narrative and that's something you couldn't do um, outside of it. So those are the kinds of gamified things that we want to do in these spaces that you couldn't do outside and those are the kinds of opportunities that we want to be opening up for our artists. It sounds like you're doing Zelda Breath of the Wild for Warner Music, just the way you explained that, which I'm down for. Yeah, I'm, I, <laughs> I, if, you, if you compare our games to Zelda, I'd be very happy. Um, if I can just kind of offer a little like separate opinion or perspective there, again, SoundCloud is an independent artist platform, right? For us, what we're focusing on is like, it's awesome that these platforms exist and these opportunities exist. But it's my job, my team's job, to also find ways to build those opportunities for the p people who are not on a record yeah. label, right? And so we have really cool things in the back end of SoundCloud, SoundCloud for Artists, uh, which is you know our artist platform. Uh, one of them is called Pitch to Partners, and what it does is like myself and Jordan, who's my direct, you know, my partner in crime at SoundCloud. We go and we build these incredible opportunities with brands like NBA 2K, arguably one of the most important video game soundtracks in hip hop slash of all time, or Fortnite and whatnot. And we build essentially opportunities for independent artists to actually get into these spaces with the amplification of SoundCloud. Because again, they don't necessarily have the ability to drive 100,000 people into a room. But if SoundCloud's coming to the table, now there will be. And when we did our Fortnite tournament, right, like. People think about, I, I'm always like fascinated by the fact that people are like, oh yes, like millions of people showed up. In traditional sports games, right, if you go to the Staples Center, that's a 25,000 person venue. And everybody thinks that's fucking amazing. So why on the internet are we not also celebrating when 25,000 people get together? It really bothers me that everybody sort of rates everything in the like, we had millions of impressions. 
but you don't necessarily have millions of impressions of a football game in person, right? And so I think the thing for us is like, yes, the numbers matter, but it's also the conduit of allowing artists to meet more fans, discover more collaborators. That to me is actually what's important about building these opportunities, not just, oh, hey, I had, you know, 40,000 40, hits on the internet. Yeah, the engagement. Correct. Right? The correct. depth of the And connection. the right engagement, though, right? It has to be actually the people who are going to give a shit about your music, yeah. who are going to give a shit about eventually buying your virtual merch or your go to your concerts or want to connect with you in real life. Yeah. Or share with totally, your friends. Totally, totally. Right? Exactly. part of your team. So, th- th- absolutely. And, and I think, so, our role is to protect fidelity, right? And creative intent. So, Paul, can you talk a little bit about what we're doing in that space? Okay, so, um, from the Dolby perspective, we, we want to, you know, well, actually, before I, before I do that, I want to actually um, mention one thing here. So, you both talked about the number of people attending events. And, <laughs> and the, the actual events, 10 million, 1 million, 10,000, no matter what, the, these big events at the moment generally have, um, if you turn up servers. to them, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 50 people or 100 people that you can see. So you actually attend it. You don't know it's a big event until a couple of weeks later when someone publishes the number. Unless the, the Twitch chat is popping. And then you know people are on yeah, there. That's right. <laughs> you can't even read it. <laughs> so these massive events, when you turn up to them, they're very small, which I think is something that we need to fix. So Julian, talking about getting thousands, tens of thousands, 100,000 people in one world yeah. is a place where... I think you can really make a difference in this space. And we're really interested in this idea of having a, you know, a massive concert where you have, say, 50,000 attendees and you can actually hear that you're in an audience with 50,000 people. So not just see them but also hear it. I think that's really that, that interesting. Like, and there are some platforms that we're talking to that are, that are doing that now, um, that are figuring out ways to do that and probably working with you guys on it. Um, and it's really exciting because that's... Uh, if you can really get that activity in one place and figure out the sound so that when I turn to your avatar, you and I can hear each other but not everyone else, it's really cool and exciting and it opens up entirely new kinds of experiences that we can build. And talking about the fidelity question, so when you, you know, build a massive concert, a massive concert venue, and you want to put um, music in that venue, you have a few choices. At the moment, really, you just play stereo music to everyone in the world, which is, which is okay, but doesn't make you feel like you're in a, in a, live, in a massive concert. You can render it in the world realistically and have audio reflections and speakers placed around the, um, the space. But depending where you stand, you'll get a bit different experience. You'll get a bad experience in most places and there's probably a sweet spot somewhere. So what we really think we should be doing in these virtual worlds, and we're working on this, is enabling a music experience that sounds amazing no matter where you are, but changes believably as you move around. You don't want to have this environment that <coughs> movement doesn't impact the experience. This is a 3D um, virtual world, so moving around should impact your experience. But it should always sound great and just change believably. No arguments there. <laughs> so that's what we're working on. <laughs> Paul, you shared a really important stat with me, and I think... I think it'd be good for everyone to be aware of it. I was, I was impressed with the number 87. It's a big number, right? 87%, you said, of Gen Zers, I have to read this, are daily gamers virtually... Uh, so virtual socialization is just as important in real life as real life experiences. Obviously, the same challenge exists for live performance, right? And again, connecting and believing and, and being compelled to participate in. And I agree with you, Jillian. I mean, sa- the, the saturation I, I personally enjoyed, you know... Um, but also, you know, it's one thing to sit there and listen to someone talk, and then they're performing. You feel very much like you're behind a screen. Um, so I saw some really exciting things in our space this week, you know, examples of what we can do with some of those platform partners. And I know we're being a little bit high level, but can we bring Dolby Atmos? Can we bring Dolby Vision? Can we do that? Is that is that near term? So with the live performance streaming product, which I mentioned before, which which is in tech preview at the moment, so it's not a product yet, I've got to be clear about that. Um, we are 
um, extending that to bring Atmos and vision experiences into into virtual worlds. So, um, yeah, we are going down that path. We think it's really important to not only create virtual world music experiences that feel like you're in a virtual space and that you can move around, but also have a set of creative tools so that the creator's involved in the process of making that experience. Yeah, I think that's that's the most important piece there is the ubiquity of access. And then, Shauna, you guys have really leveraged the, some of these these concepts actually for quite some time, and I'd be very interested I'm to tired. know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you see more point-of-sale opportunities. You see more engagement. Tell, tell us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's important to know a couple of things about SoundCloud and our ecosystem and the people who choose to use it, and it is a choice. Um, so for us, 70% of our target audience, which if you can do the math, it's 13 to 24 who use SoundCloud, um, identify as gamers. So what we saw there was like, wait a second. If 70% of the people who use our platform identify as gamers, why the fuck are we not showing up in gaming? And how do we do it, again, going back to what I said earlier, and, and a lot of what you've said too, Jillian, is how do we do it authentically? How do we do it with the right partners? NBA 2K makes a ton of sense for us. I don't know if you've heard of a genre called SoundCloud rap, but that exists, right? And so that is something that is represented in NBA, you know, in hip-hop, obviously. And so when we went out to find partners to do this, NBA 2K made the most sense, right? And it also happens that they have an incredible soundtrack, and they also happen to champion emerging artists on that soundtrack. And so when we do things like that, you know, I kind of feel like a broken record. It's got to be, just like I'm asking you artists to be authentic, we have to be authentic about it too. It does not make sense for SoundCloud to show up in other spaces where maybe our people aren't, right? How do we double down where our people are, humans or, you know, whatever you want to call people, um, <laughs> artists, etc., creators, so many terms. Um, you know, where do we show up, again, in order to amplify and really elevate artist discovery and music discovery? And for, like, I am the one, not to, you know, make this all about me, at SoundCloud screaming at the top of my lungs about, like, we need to do more for music discovery and gaming. And that is why we are building partnerships that, like you, I can't talk about right now because my PR people will get mad. But we're building a lot of really cool shit over the next year that is ultimately going to continue to open those pathways. And also, spoiler alert, this is where I will get in trouble, offer you the chance to understand how you're being successful in those spaces. Again, we're doubling down on fandom. We're also a streaming music platform. We're also, you know, an ecosystem of cool people doing dope shit. So what we're trying to do is offer that information back. It is not really our job, and again, I'm going on a little rant here, to like control an artist's fandom. You should be able to take that fandom to any platform, into any experience, and be able to leverage them. That's what we think. I promise you, most of the other platforms do not think that way. And so when we build these tools, resources, etc., programs, whatever we end up calling them, that's for our marketing team, we are doing it so that way you can build a sustainable career, not just on SoundCloud, but in everywhere. Because that's actually how you pay your rent, pay for studio time, work with other collaborators, and actually you know, are able to create your art. Yeah, I think empowerment of the artist is the is the common thread, certainly in, in my life um, these days. And that's the momentum that I'm seeing shift. Um, discovery being a fundamental issue. Actually, Jillian had a terrific way to frame. I, I was saying, you know, what are the opportunities? And she said, let me tell you about the challenges. So, <laughs> but it, it's so broad, right? And 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 I will say, I, we are talking a lot about gaming and music, and I know this is this is tech and and music, and it's not only it's not only gaming, but so many musicians are gamers, so many consumers of music are gamers, and I like to talk about my kid who's an, a massive introvert and lives in a, on, on his alien wear PC, which is very expensive, by the way. Um, <laughs> um, I say because Shout I had to, 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 to buy it. <laughs> With all happy. the stuff he wants on top of it, that's the magic. But... Um, but while he's on that, while he's in that game, he is. He's he'll say he's building a uniform. He's building a you know. He's changing his hair. He's changing his gait. He's changing his cheekbones. He's listening to music. He's listening to different platforms. 
discovery is the number one challenge. Yeah, and I forgot to say this part, so this is my bad. What we also did when we studied all of this stuff on our on our platform, we also know over 60% of our people who play video games are listening to music. Well, over 80% are listening to music, but 60% are doing it actively, which means that they're choosing the music they're listening to. They're curating their own auditory experience. That is fucking interesting, right? They're not just listening to a playlist that, you know, and there's nothing wrong with this, that somebody created for them. They're not just letting their algorithm sort of like feed them music. They're curating their own experience. And it goes back to what we were saying earlier. This is all about identity, right? At the end of the day, whether you're in a virtual world or you're IRL or you're somewhere in between, because I honestly feel like that's where I live now, um, you are essentially representing yourself, right? And so if you can always kind of have the center of yourself in the music you're listening to, you know, the kind of world you're entering in, it's a really just fascinating sort of study on, like, human condition. Not to get real woo-woo here, but, like, it also then makes it much more accessible for that discovery. Because now you're wholly representing yourself, not just online, but also in the real world. And people can really understand who you are and then gravitate towards you. And then, you know, it's not just your Instagram profile and your YouTube and all that. It becomes like you're saying, if you can connect it all, I actually think people will find music better. And they'll connect to it better and deeper. And it will mean something. The, the virtual world thing is not necessarily something to be afraid of, right? It's just augmenting and enhancing and amplifying what's already happening in reality. And it built out a social universe for all of us, totally, right? In totally. these last few years in particular. But I, it, and, and again, back to Discovery, one of the things I know that, again, my son is doing is he's sending the music he's listening to to his friends oh, yeah. as well. It's not as easy as it, as it should be and could be. Um, Right, so I just I'm curious. I know you guys are advocating this yeah. as well, Jillian. What are you? Can you share anything about what you're doing? Yeah, I mean the the issue is like as much as we talk a big game up here and we're game, <laughs> uh, and we're like real excited about everything we can do, uh, not to be the like Debbie Downer, but there's a lot, a lot of challenges to this space, um, regulatory issues, COPA laws, um, as simple as like how do these spaces get their music? Mm-hmm. Where are they ingesting it? How can they track it? If it's if it's something where people have the ability to upload, how do we make sure they're not uploading infringing content? Um, how do you content ID? Um, how do you report back so that we know how to pay our artists and make sure they're being paid fairly? Um, how... Uh, what are the splits between recorded music and publishing in these spaces? How do PROs get licensed? Um, what's the business model? Is it like a YouTube model? Is it a rev share? Is it an a la carte? Should music be monetized in these spaces, or should developers subsidize it? Um, should it be a should it be a monetized product itself? Like, should you go into these spaces and buy a radio that you can take around with you? Or should it be something where the developer has a playlist that, that you can listen to throughout? Should it be done via sync, the way like an NBA 2K does? Uh, but then they get to be the gatekeeper and the curator. Um, luckily, they have you know good partners. But um, you know, uh, or, or do we want uh, every server to have sort of one idea that I love? And if anyone works in these platforms, let me know if you want to talk about it. Um, is like I think that it would be really cool if if you achieve something in the game so it's connected to the gameplay you get to be like your server DJ and you get to come up with what the playlist is for the rest of the server like can we create products like that and if we do do you need a public performance license because now you're playing it out for everyone else in your server Um, and uh, you know there's 19 songwriters in every song and there's major labels who are going to want a piece and I'm one of them and I will want a piece so like you you know it's like everything and and, you know I'm glad you admit that of course Uh, it's not for me it's for the artists too no, you know no no of course uh, of course of course this is not your fault and, Jill. Uh, and is there um you know i mean and then uh i mean i uh, you know there's issues with different international laws and um uh do, you know we did the sweetie concert and we had to bleep every other word because roblox is a children's platform and if it's a sponsored event is does that now need to be tagged as an ad the way that like uh something would on instagram um I didn't even prepare this, but so there's definitely more. But uh, yeah, and, well, and even you brought up this, the the concept of like if it's another country, like 
pricing models in other countries, not everybody pays $9.99 for right, music right. in other countries, right? And so like, there's even that complication, too, where it's like, well, if you're in a virtual world, are you actually from? Are you actually in Brazil or are you actually in the United States? Right. Like, it's a whole can of worms. Tax. I forgot about tax. Well, right, The right. government's going to want the money, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, How do we again, do that you know, my across countries? And what government gets yeah, it? Yeah, and my kid can spoof his IP address, et cetera. Anyway, right, yeah, right. I agree, I agree. So it's I messy. know, again, it sounds privacy. like... Privacy. I forgot about privacy. <laughs> yeah. Please help us figure this out. So when we I say tech and music... <laughs> these problems. Um, but we're all really excited to be here, and you guys have been gracious enough to fill the room. Are there any questions we would love to hear from Let's you? Let's go. Throw them at us. He was and so prepared. Did, yes, you, did you see yeah, him? Yeah, he was gearing up. And will you say your name and if you work, uh, what your connection is to the space when you ask your question? Sure. My name is Shane, and while my career, not career, but that's not career, while my job isn't necessarily, although it could be related to, you know, music and tech. I've always been a big fan of music, nightlife, clubbing, raving, and also like audiophile technology Tight. and all the and all those things. Well, you just spent a thousand dollars for a computer. Yeah. Like, we're gonna talk about <laughs> those afterwards. Where's the party tonight? <laughs> yes. And now that comes to my question. What's next in Sonics from Dolby or in other companies? Whether that be cutting-edge headphones or new speakers and sound systems that are even better than those of Ministry of Sound or Soundbar. Ooh. I'm going to take this. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been to Dolby House? I'm going past it. I'm Come in. So uh, it's really exciting this week. I'll do a little commercial. Um, I'm very, very proud of our, our installation this year here. Um, it is open 9 to 9 every single day. We've been open since last Friday. We're open through Sunday. Please come in. People are coming back again and again. Uh, yes, there are free drinks. I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, but it is gorgeous. It's an experience center. If you want to know what we're up to, come in. Feel it. Hear it. Live it. See it. Feel it. Shane, you couldn't have given them a better opportunity to yeah, plug it, man. Plug. Good job. They, Come see me, did Shane. Did you guys place them there? <laughs> industry plant. Industry plant. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and then upstairs, just for fun, there are talks. And um, I see a couple of my, my co-conspirators in the audience, and we're talking this week. Um, tomorrow, come see my friend Ben. He's talking to Suave. I'm talking to a couple of other partners. Um, it's Yeah, we're having a ball. And we've got demos of the technology which we're building out on the Dolby I.O. platform, which is easily accessible by developers, so you can just sign up and use it. And we, the demo of the live performance streaming happens twice a day, and that's really, it's a really great new product that we have. Also and the Maybach, yo. Oh, yeah, There's yeah. the Maybach. Oh, the, the Maybach's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're sorry, forgot about that one. Yeah, yeah. Where's Anybody my know we're in cars? We're in cars. Yeah, we are. Yeah, you've got to listen to the uh, Atmos in the Maybach. It's I an amazing experience. I don't know what a car is. <laughs> and, and the web address for the easy yeah, access to our developer tools? Uh, Dolby.io. Oh. <laughs> All right, yes? Hi, I'm Rob Price. I'm the CEO of School of Rock. Uh, we're the... Hey! All right. Yeah. Uh, we're the largest uh, music education uh, company. We've got 15 countries... 330 schools around the world. So the context for my question is that, um, and you, you mentioned some of this, is we're super eager to unlock our young songwriters, bring them into the space, but also jointly capitalize on them being the cool hunters, the trendsetters. Um, but you're operating an NC-17 world, and even this panel is sort of PG-13. <laughs> I'm uh, triggered. I'm triggered. Um, Shauna, I'm sorry. <laughs> and um, I'm, a I'm a New Yorker too, so I forgive you. Um, but how how can we start to find industry partnerships where it's safer to find the young Taylor Swifts and Justin Bieber's? We've got we've got ten thousands, tens of thousands of them, but we're very apprehensive about predatory environments, about mental health and about uh, honest brokering on behalf of our students? That's a great question. And, and it's something that we, we do think about, especially depending on the platforms that we're building in and what the right audience is. So I've ex I, the, it's really relevant to the Roblox experience, right? So 
uh, the experience that we built on Roblox, it's a role-playing game, and you get to go in and you get to make music and act like you're a uh, and act like you're a movie. You get to pick your role, huh? Uh, and you can either be a movie movie star, a producer, a uh, a manager. Uh, you can work at a record store. You can be a journalist. And the idea is to is to just let the the users play and experience and learn about new music and and run around. And it's there's no violence and there's no cursing and it's supposed to be very very family friendly and Roblox appropriate um, and Roblox is trying to age up a little bit they want their users to stay for longer but they're still very very protective of being the only game that parents are like I don't let my kids game but I let them play in Roblox so I, I think it's just finding the right partners who mm. are um, who are trying to who have the same incentives as you. So right now their incentive is to keep these these spaces safe for for those types of users. So um, we should build a like school of rock world in our world. That's actually a really cool Sounds idea. Like a good idea. Yeah. I don't know how you do that, but you do. I do. So that's let's good. talk. Just to uh, give you another platform that's also pretty strict about these things, while I am deeply unrated, um, uh, Epic Games is major platform Fortnite is also very strict about the language okay. you use, especially because it is a shooting scenario. Yeah. You can't use the word kill, you have to use eliminations. Like, And while that doesn't necessarily take it down to the notch of like a six-year-old or whatever, yeah. it yeah. does at least kind of lower the like violent nature of the game. And they're very in protective ways. about like yes. outfits. We did a yes. we did a concert yes. with Aya Nakamura on Fortnite, um, and I learned the word butt cleavage from mm -hmm. from that design work because okay. butt cleavage is not allowed on Fortnite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there are platforms you just kind of have to like. It's really I would say a platform yeah, question than it is maybe like a music industry sort of person question. Terrific. It's the platforms that kind of ultimately dictate the terms and conditions yeah. of what happens on their platforms. And okay, these great. platforms have um, learned over many years of how to actually deal with these situations. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 exactly. Great. And Dolby House was excellent, by the way. Thank Love you so it. much. Yeah. We did actually clean the music, I will say, and it's no small thing, It's so not to minimize at all, um, but we did clean out all of the explicit versions of music for Dolby House because families were coming through. Hi, I'm Sam. I'm a producer, DJ, sound engineer. I also run a residential recording studio in the French countryside. Um, so my question is about the sort of virtual performance space and specifically about the artist experience um, in giving a virtual concert and specifically the question of kind of time lag. As, as a performer, one of the greatest things of doing a live show is that magical feedback loop that happens between the performer and your audience. And I'm wondering what's being done to en enhance the, the artist experience when you're giving a virtual concert. I'm really glad you asked this question because I didn't get a chance to talk about this during the panel. Um, it was one of the later sort of questions I think that was coming. We at Dolby, we're also really interested in this engagement between the artist and the audience. Um, one of the things that we think is so compelling about a live concert, a real world live concert, is that loop between the artist and the audience and the artist can feed off the energy of the audience they know if it's going well and they can just keep yeah. doing it and they can also talk to the audience and get the audience engaged and that's completely lost in virtual world concerts yeah. so one of the aims that we have with live performance streaming it is, at the moment, it uses um, HLS for streaming, which is a 30-second delay. Mm -hmm. But we've got a real-time streaming capability on Dolby I.O., which has got a delay of less than half a second. So no we um, plan to work with people to provide virtual concert ex live virtual concert experiences in virtual worlds where you can actually have an audience hearing the artist within... You know, less than half a second delay, so you can get that feedback loop back again. And then how do you get the... So I guess the other part of it is how, do you, how does the artist get the audience reaction back to themselves? So there's a couple of things that you can do there. So you could have an artist performing in a studio and you can you could have a VR cave for a studio, so place screens around the artist so they can see the audience. But we also think the audience... Um, response if you know yeah. at the end of a song if they cheer exactly that's yeah. important so we have a product which is a virtual world communication product 
which is very different than others. Others have got, you hear the three loudest or the three closest. Yeah. Ours, we mix everyone. And so we could actually, we've got some demos coming up soon. That they're actually in engineering at the moment where we can have, we, we demo a cheer, everyone in the audience cheering. And it's, it's really compelling. Wow. That sounds amazing. I'd love to. Ah, thank you for that question. We also recently invested and in our partners with this company, Wave XR, that can do live streams and then plug them, uh, like live, live, and then plug them into different environments. And um, one of the things we're talking to them about is like, could we do that at an actual show so that mm. the artist, because, you know, instead of standing in a green room with a motion capture suit on, could you go and do your real show, but then also be live streaming it into a virtual environment at the same time so that other people are there and, and attending, yeah. but you're still getting the real so reaction? That, that was, what, that was one of the... Yeah. The answer is yes, you can do it, and we want to. <laughs> that, that was yeah, one of the concepts. One of the features yeah. of our live performance streaming product is we can actually plug into equipment within yeah. a venue and actually stream live from the yeah. venue, which and is that would pretty be compelling. Like, that would be really cool because you'd solve kind of both and you'd get the energy of the audience being there and um, and also it like saves time because the artist doesn't yeah. need to take time out of their schedule to like do a full day motion capture. They're doing that show anyway. Yeah. And motion capture is deeply hard to do. It's so expensive. <laughs> it's so, so expensive. expensive. It's also well, like, hard for the artist you know, to do, to stand still, to do all those. It's not something Although you're Sweetie usually... Sweetie loved her suit. She was like, I want to wear this. <laughs> She's like, this is a... I look good in this, you know? <laughs> she looks good in anything, though. <laughs> Thank you. Cheers. Thanks. Hi. Um, I'm Alex Carr. I'm here as my company, Amplify Sounds. I've come over from the UK. So, hi, everyone. Thank you for the warm welcome. Um, back home, I'm the head of jazz, uh, program curator for the Symphony Hall in Birmingham. I'm also a music manager and radio broadcaster. And one of the, the few themes that I've picked up on my journey, which didn't start out like many of us in music or tech, is uh, connecting the worlds, the, the fact that you know, there, there doesn't seem to be much conversation between them. Everyone sort of works in silos. But when you do open it up, it becomes this beautiful space. Uh, one of the things that I've been working on uh, since coming into jazz and since becoming a music manager is we've been working in the virtual world. So I'm here with uh, my artist, Marcus Joseph, who is a phenomenal jazz musician, actually playing tonight at Sellers Underground, 8 p.m., not a bit, little plug. Nice. But we have, um, we've, we've built uh, a VR game which uh, is gaming, has story and narrative, has an element of learning, has monetization, and has uh, the community aspects. We've, we've got the uh, VR headsets with us today. Uh, you can have a go on it. You can have a little go on the demo. It's amazing. Uh, so, so my question is, uh, now that you were sort of talking about partners and creators and uh, democratizing the technology, so obviously we've sort of gone off on this sphere, and, and we're doing this because uh, I think creators, music creators, they sort of think their role is to be on a stage, to get a gig, and that's it. And now we're looking beyond that. Uh, so my question is, uh, basically, are you open to working to developers that are out there doing the things that you're looking to achieve, that, you know, the people that have started to make these impressions? Because yes. we'd certainly like to yes, <laughs> look at hel yes. helpful partnerships. Uh, I'm going to probably deeply regret this in the sense of now I'm telling this to everybody. My email is my first name at soundcloud.com. Oh, thank okay? you. Yeah. Send it to me. Because jazz is, you know, one of the original improvisational, yeah. Jesus Christ, my, my <laughs> tongue today, you know, forms of Innovative, art. yeah. Also which, my favorite. My yeah, favorite so like, absolutely. And I think for us, like, you coming to us eliminates, you know, me having to look through the internet for five more hours, you know? That doesn't mean it will happen now, yeah. but kudos to you for building it, because I know how much time, money, stress, blood, sweat, whatever all that is, right? Mental health, it takes to build something like that. So, yeah. like, if you've already got something dope and it already connects to people who are listening to that kind of stuff on my platform mm -hmm. or the platform I work on, it's not my platform, <laughs> um, then let's talk, let's build something, let me help you amplify it. Yeah, I, I, I would the, love yeah. that. I think the interesting thing um, that most people may realize but may not is that the gaming industry and the music industry have a lot of parallels in mm -hmm. the sense that there are big games publishers and big uh, and big platforms that distribute. 
um, and hard to get through those gatekeepers. The the steams of the world, you know, are no different than the the DSPs of the world. Um, and how you actually make a game and distribute a game is not that different from how you actually make music and then distribute and market music. Um, similar, you know, early advances, rev shares, distribution and marketing support. Um, and so um, we're actually exploring how to build more music games with partners and sort of combine forces. So I'd be really interested to hear like what this game is and what your yeah. what your approach is to uh, then distributing and marketing it and see if there's ways for us to work together as well. Perfect. Thank you so much. I'll, I'll obviously come yeah. and see you. Let's do it all together, this. though. Deal. I'm really interested as well in the, yeah, in the yeah. Dolby Atmos we could be, you know, for being in that virtual oh, space. And I just think, well, yeah. Dolby I.O. Yeah. is designed for people like you to, to get access to our technology. So we should definitely talk. So. I'd love that. Okay. Thank you. I You're going to be the most popular person in the room after this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's people out there doing it. So yeah, find me after. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'm really proud of the demo and Marcus as well. For, uh, you know, for so where do we see this. the demo? Um, we've got it on the uh, on our Oculus headsets. It's actually ready to go. So yeah, literally as soon as yeah, this cool. talk is finished. We'll meet you outside. They're going to kick us out on. of the room eventually. Yeah. So we'll, so we'll meet you outside. We'll okay. Thank you so much. Thank you so so much. we've got four minutes left. So we're going to do a little bit power round. Come, come to us. Hello, I'm so glad you're a fan of jazz because I'm a <laughs> assistant director of marketing and PR for Jazz Lincoln Center. In particular, uh, I work uh, a lot of the PR and marketing stuff for our in-house record label, Blue Engine Records. A lot of fun stuff coming out, but I won't say that because I know we are. I know. Time come see here. me. <laughs> yeah. um, so I loved everything you discussed about, you know, at the core of whatever you're doing, it's about the brand identity, the artist identity, and what makes sense. Um, and as much as like, you know, we would love Gen Z to automatically be like, yes, yeah, straight ahead jazz, absolutely. I'm going to listen to that when I'm video gaming. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, like virtual spaces that skew more towards a mature audience, as well as how, how best to go into these kind of younger audience for the Gen Z to, that would make sense with jazz? Because, you know, I don't know if the orchestra members like, you know, in Fortnite with skins would necessarily <laughs> make sense. However, it would be cool. Did you did you work on the Biggie event at the Lincoln Center? Which one? So when we did the Biggie orchestral thing at Lincoln Center? Oh, so we're I'm Jazz at Lincoln Center, which is affiliated with Lincoln okay, Center, but but, lots but that's of people, a good lots, example. Yes. So I was gonna say. like a couple um, in the fall, uh, the uh, Rhino Records worked with the Notorious B.I.G. estate and brought his music to Lincoln Center mm. uh, with a full orchestra. Um, and and it was amazing because it was an entirely new audience was being introduced to him, and then his audience was being introduced to you know orchestral music at the same time. And I think that's something that like we can do with jazz in these spaces as well. Um, I don't. The interesting thing about like virtual spaces, like we're talking a lot about gaming, but arguably like Zoom is a virtual space, mm -hmm. like. Microsoft Teams is a virtual space. Oh, yeah. Slack is a virtual space. So, I mean, there's definitely ways to start to connect, um, to connect audiences through through using those kinds of technologies, doing jazz clubs, listening parties, you know, whatever it is. Like, I don't think you need to like. I don't think my like grandma needs to be dressing up in an avatar and like doing it. But like, we can connect her with an with like a, a Zoom account to join a to join a jazz club and. Uh, and, and that's where she can learn new music. You know, yeah. I, I don't have a grandma, actually, so that was sad. <laughs> and you have a Dolby Atmos studio like, She would love this. <laughs> yes, we do. You do. And we also, yeah. we just launched, uh, like, a, a new app, jazzlive.org, which is, like, all streaming. Yeah. But it's, like, interesting to try to find and market that because you're right, the fatigue of the whole concert fatigue and everything. So. Yeah. But you also have incredible artists like Masego, right, mm -hmm. who is actually bringing jazz yeah. to a younger audience. Totally. So how do you get Masego to also, not just Biggie, because Biggie's yeah. dope, don't get me wrong. He's yes. dope. However, you take someone like Masego, exactly, who's already yeah. doing the hard work for the younger audiences, and bring him to the older audience, the younger people will follow because they know who Masego is. Yeah. They unfortunately may not actually know who Sam Cooke is, right? And so if you do something like that, and not just the like, you know, brand collaboration thing that like Gucci is great at, don't get me wrong, it doesn't have to take a big budget of working with Biggie. You can do it with someone who's already doing it with you, who's an actual authentic artist already in the space. And it's also something SoundCloud's amazing at with like attribution, oh, right? Thanks. With like when someone uses an old sample of someone, oh, all yeah. of a sudden people are. are like, oh, like that was, Sam who's Sam Cook? You know, yeah, like, because yeah, there's yeah, like yeah. a, totally, totally, and totally. I think SoundCloud's great at that, like yeah. doing Thanks, the attribution. Julian. No, it is. Come see wonderful. us. Mistake is an app. Most you have an app, a studio. Come see us. You have an app. Yes. Come see us. Thank 
And if you don't know who Masego is, please go listen to him. He's goddamn incredible. He's incredible. He's stunning. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. Thanks. Hey, um, my name is Ramon. I was actually in my high school jazz band 20 years hey, ago. Hey, but, but no, I just, jazz theme. just had a super uh, quick question for yeah. uh, for Shauna. Um, oh boy, are there just are there any like you, you, you touched on a lot of cool things about how very young people discover music and live stream. All you did mm-hmm. music, metaverse, uh, live streaming. So are there are there any really important um, influential music websites that uh, like? pitchfork for young people that are on y'all's radar that y'all are tracking and this is just mostly because i feel super yeah, old and out of loop. thank you yeah yeah no no thanks for the question it's cool here's what i'm gonna say every editorial i work in used to work in editorial music right i worked at the fader i had my like i, I know where you're coming from all of them are doing what they do best which is representing a small sliver of the music economy so when we go and do things like this like we we do partner with genius we do partner with even I think we did something with the fader a long time ago. We do that, but again, it's because we're going into a space that they are already experts in. We're not doing it from a blanket perspective, right? We're doing it in a space where our audience is already showing up and working with those platforms or having their content covered, et cetera. We're not going in and saying, hey, here's a check, can you write about our artists? That to me is like where this becomes really dangerous. And that's not necessarily where your question was going, but nonetheless, just like we use artists to represent something and there are collaborators, the platforms, the editorial platforms are the same. I would say, you know, personally speaking, I read Crack Magazine, right? Like, to me, they're at the forefront. NME still at the forefront of doing things like this. Um, Hip Hop Wired, Dan Runcie's um, uh, News Trapital is incredible. Water and Music is great for music and tech. The, the number of platforms is infinite, and they're all doing something really special. Otherwise, I would tell you they wouldn't exist because doing music editorial is a very thankless and very underpaid job. So they all exist for a reason, and we, we partner with them for very specific reasons. But I hope that's I hope that's helpful. Totally, but there's no like one specific. No, 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 because there, there's no one that covers everything. Yeah. It's it's impossible. Yeah. Hi there. Very quickly uh, from Dublin, Ireland. Uh, traditionally worked in publishing. Trying to have a look, there's a lot of focus on the tech and how it's developing and sharing music and all that in the metaverse. How is the back-end revenue model for royalties looking? Are ASCAP and BMI heavily involved so that we avoid what happened with Spotify? There was a lot of focus on the shiny toy of the streaming platforms, as there is now at the metaverse. But look where we are. I'm trying to see how that's going to be solved in the metaverse. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the big challenges, right, is that they probably need to be, all these platforms probably need to be licensed at the platform level. So um, I think those are conversations that are happening now. Um, I, I think a bunch of them are. I think they have PR global global PRO licenses, um, and I think the others know they need to. Um, so that is one of the challenges: is making sure that those licenses are in place. Thank you. Yes. Um, I'm a film and TV composer and do a lot of production music as well. And I'm, I'm curious from people like me who aren't as focused on building an audience, but just working directly with high-level creatives making these games and things like that. What what do you see, like, technology-wise that I should be learning or doing or who else should I be trying to collaborate with? feels a little isolated, like a different world. I'm not a gamer, but I have worked on some video games just because of my f- film connections. So I'm, I'm curious what your guys' – someone like me, how should I get involved? Do you know, like, companies like Endel or LifeScore, they're doing, like, adaptive music and – and kind of creating like AI playlists, but based on original tracks. Those are companies that I think are really interesting. They create like long soundscapes, but based on, you know, it's not just AI inputs, it's based on something, but then they can like use the technology to make it last for hours or create soundscapes. And they're really interesting companies. And um, I think games are more and more interested in like adaptive music like that too. The other thing not to plug where I'm working, uh, is we, on SoundCloud, you can actually directly comment on tracks. So we kind of consider ourselves a little bit more of a social media platform than just a streaming music platform. So I also say, find what you love on that on our platform, if you, if you so choose to do so, and then actually start interacting with the artists, because what will happen is you will find collaborators that way. Because they will be excited to work with you, because you're an expert at doing what you're doing, and they are not an expert at doing the same thing. They may need you to do something dope in the future, and likewise, you gotta do a little bit of the hustle, right? This is, 
unfortunately, we're in this kind of ecosystem where you kind of have to make your own way now. So ultimately, like if you do a little bit of reaching out, it does come back in spades. We see a lot of that on our platform. I guess what I meant by that is less so with music artists, but mm -hmm. more so with game developers. Oh, yeah, that's and, not... <laughs> like, that's not well, I, I think probably the answer is if... Um, well, I, I probably can't give too much advice without knowing more, but we could chat afterwards if you wanted. Uh, my name is Joe. Uh, I'm in the cybersecurity. Joe, you're our last question. Make it good. All right, last question. Uh, I'm in the cybersecurity field. I had oh, a startup no. about 12 years ago. <laughs> well, 14 years ago. Shut it down uh, in 2012. Uh, my question is API integrations and reporting. Do you guys see this trend getting more towards API integration and reporting or people kind of pulling back because they've got the secret sauce they don't want to necessarily share? No, API integration is exactly what Dolby I.O. is doing, as a matter of fact. Go. Yeah, we, we're providing a lot of Dolby technology through APIs to developers. What do you mean by a, uh, APIs and reporting? Uh, analytics. Oh, yeah, yeah, analytics yeah. is... You guys are talking about identity and lots of interesting things, right? And, yeah. and yeah. it just seems like there are some organizations that... You know, like Twitter just shut down their, you know, their free API integration, and maybe you're, maybe, and I don't know where that's going to go. But I'm just kind of curious, as you know, from a music industry standpoint, what do you guys see the trend being? I mean, the trend is security. The trend is privacy. The trend is protection. License, you know, <coughs> everything that mm -hmm. protects licensing and the reporting being key. And Dolby doesn't talk a lot about this publicly, but it's important to note. We we talk about. The great, the fun part, right? The yeah. sound and the picture, and it is, it's beautiful, and emotive experience is all true. But we also have a lot of tech on the shelf like that, and this platform has made that more extensible. Um, so there's a lot of that that we're facilitating. We're all pretty, like, hyper-keen to this, but, you know, in terms of, like, where the trends are going, m more more protection, more privacy, more tracking of, of ownership, of licensing, et cetera. Is that fair, guys? Yeah, I'd also yeah. say, like, to talk about <laughs> it just from, like, a little bit of the music perspective, like, no AI is going to replace an actual, like, inspiration from a human being, right? And if that's the case, and we keep that at the root center of what AI can do for us, it can inspire, but it will never create something new, because it's taking inputs from all the other things that are happening. So ultimately, it is paying homage to what's already existed, right? AI is not going to, like, I, I think about this a lot. This is where I'm going to mention Moog, like I said I would earlier. People were scared to death of the invention of the synthesizer. And now look at what that thing is doing, right? It has helped create new genres of music, but it's because humans were behind the actual creating of that music. To me, AI is going to do something very similar where it will help inspire new genres of music, but it ultimately will not be the root cause of new music. So and it, yeah. I, I agree and disagree. Uh, I actually think that because of the way like these these inputs are set up, they're finding patterns and and new new genres and new sounds that humans don't can't find, even though they're based on all these inputs. So I disagree, and I think AI actually will create new genres, new sounds, things that humans wouldn't. But I fully agree that they're only going to make they're only going to become culturally significant based on how they're shared, how they're used. Um, the examples I give is like there's a few weeks ago when like both that like Shakira song and the Miley Cyrus song came out and I was like, people only care about this because we're talking about their exes. You know, yeah. like like yeah. people like the storytelling, they like connecting. So I think I think the AI tools, I actually I think they will create new things and push forward sound and push forward genres, but I don't think they'll become culturally significant until they're used as tools for artists and art. Okay, I'll agree. You'll take that? Okay, thanks. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much to my Thank panel. You,